That's from an incredible song called Transfiguration by Sufjan Stevens from his 2004 album Seven Swans. You can find that on YouTube, and I'd like you to do that right now before this Epiphany podcast even starts by searching for Sufjan Stevens' Transfiguration. There's a version of that uploaded by a man by the name of J.S. Ring that has incredible artwork set to the lyrics, and I'd love for you to go to the, at least the two-minute Seven, two, two minutes, 17 seconds moment of the video and you'll find the lyrics here what he said to them the voice of God, the most beloved son consider what he says to you consider what's to come let's start off this podcast Empires of Dirt and Grace a liturgy for epiphany with that line in mind consider what he says to you consider what's to come Literally pause this podcast, go search for that track on YouTube, and then come back and we'll begin our welcome. Welcome to Empires of Dirt and Grace, a liturgy for Epiphany. Again, my name is Chris Kamalski, and I am your visual and this your audio liturgist. I live in Cape Town with my wife Maxie, our daughter Mia, and our furry Scottish terrier Wally. I've been curating the liturgical year for third place, our faith community, on an extended basis since 2009. And I am so excited about the continued new direction our communal liturgy will take place this year through this podcast and the discussions that arise from it. What is liturgy? Liturgy can literally be defined as the habitual rhythms and practices that shape participants towards a specific future while simultaneously shaping that future. It also can be defined as the collective work of the people of God, quite literally. This is taken from... uh, Work by Rusty Gates, a new friend of mine and creator of the website audioliturgypodcast.org. He continues on this site by saying that even before the canonical text of the Bible were written and assembled, there were liturgies that held the church together across the vast expanse of the Mediterranean and the Middle East. Prayers and rituals were formed around everything from the sacred moment of the Eucharist to the divine exchange and the greetings of strangers. These habits, rhythms, prayers, and rituals became the foundation of the Christian faith. The repetition of familiar phrases, the dedication to spiritual rhythms, and the submission to things like the church calendar helped believers to remember that they were part of something bigger than themselves while simultaneously orienting them towards that greater reality. Many of these prayers and rituals have remained intact, having been carried for millennia across geographic, language, and racial barriers. Others have been developed along the way by the various expressions of the faith in specific contexts to respond to particular moments of the human narrative. Thank you, Rusty Gates, for this wonderful explanation of what liturgy is. 
Thoughts from a Wise Sage on Epiphany. This is taken from an excerpt of the Liturgical Year by Joan Chittister. The second great feast of the Christmas season that amplifies our awareness of the person of Jesus is the Western Church's separate celebration of the ancient Eastern Feast of the Epiphany. While the Eastern Church concentrates on the baptism of Jesus as a divine revelation of the Holy Trinity, the Western Church continues to maintain the story of the Magi. These foreign kings, or astrologers, themselves alerted by strange manifestations of the stars in the heavens, like the shepherds, find their way to the child, and as the scriptures say, they pay him homage. Matthew 2 2. The world recognizes the heavenly in this tiny child, and the child recognizes the people of God in them. This is not a Christian child only, this child belongs to the world. On the Sunday after Epiphany, the Christmas season ends in the West with its own celebration of the baptism of Jesus by John at the Jordan. As the Eastern Church points out, it is at this moment that we see for the first time the union of God the Creator, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we see something else as well. We see Jesus accepting baptism by John, a sign that Jesus accepts humanity, his own and ours, in all of its struggles, all of its limitations, all of its burdens, and all of its focus on the ultimate, on the divine. The feast days of Christmas tide make the full meaning of Christmas clear. There can be no doubt about it. This child is human, yes, but he is of heavenly as well as earthly origin. In this child's light, we all walk safely through the unknown. We are all here with the Magi, full of gifts to give in his behalf. What's more, With the opening of the heavens on the bank of the Jordan, we all have our first vision of life beyond life. Christmas is larger than a baby in a manger. Christmas is the coming of a whole new world. Epiphany shows us that. More than that, it is what makes this world possible. Scripture for the liturgical season of Epiphany. This is something for children taken from The Children of God Storybook Bible by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. This section is called The Three Wise Men, taken from Matthew chapter 2. Far across the desert, wise men watched a new star burst into the night sky and knew it was a sign from God that a great king had been born. They followed the star to Jerusalem, where King Herod ruled. Where can we find this newborn king, they asked. King Herod was shocked to hear about a new king. Will he take my throne, he worried? Come back to tell me everything when you have found this child, he told the wise men. So they continued on their way, following the star to Bethlehem, where they found Jesus in his mother's arms. The wise men bowed down to the baby king and offered him gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. But an angel warned the wise men not to tell Herod about the child. So when they left Bethlehem, they traveled back home by a different road. When King Herod realized that they had left without telling him, he was very angry. Kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem, he shouted to his soldiers. God sent an angel to Joseph in a dream. Herod is going to look for the baby to kill him, the angel warned. Take Mary and Jesus across the desert to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you it is safe to come home. Years later, the angel again came to Joseph in a dream. Herod is dead, he announced. It is safe to take Mary and the child home now. The little family packed up crossed the desert again to find a new home in the town of Nazareth. A short prayer for children. Dear God, protect us when we are in danger.
Epiphany is often um, a, a strange story for children to understand or a strange part of the liturgical year because of this inclusion of the wise men's story. And so I think it would be appropriate if you're listening to this with your kids to gather them around and just talk through the wise men's story found in Matthew chapter 2. It's very different from what culture tells us the story is. There's not three wise men, for example. There's uh, an unknown number. They come when Jesus was an infant or than he was a baby, but they recognize something about Christ. And so um, I'd love for you to talk with your children about what that is. Ask them literally this question. What did the wise men see in the baby, in the infant, that helped them understand who Jesus was? Another question for you to consider with your children would just be the implications of the fact that Jesus and Mary and Joseph were a refugee family. They were literally taken out of their homeland, out of their country, and had to settle as aliens, as illegal citizens within the country of Egypt for a season due to the violence that Herod the king brought to families all across Israel. And so um, given sort of the refugee crisis that's currently happening in the world right now, I'd love for you to talk with your children about the realities that Jesus identifies with those who are homeless and what that means for this king. A story for children and a parable for, for adults. This book is called A Leaf Can Be by Laura Purdy Salas. A leaf is a leaf. It bursts out each spring when sunny days linger and orioles sing. A leaf can be a soft cradle, a water ladle, a sun taker, a food maker, a tree topper, a rain stopper, a skin welter, a bat shelter a shade spiller, a mouth filler, an air cleaner, an earth greener. A leaf is a leaf, a bit of a tree, but when cool days come chasing, it can also be a lake glider, and a wind rider, and a pile grower, and a hill glower, and a frost catcher, and a moth matcher, and a fine healer, and a snake concealer, and a ground warmer, and a nest former. A leaf is a leaf, a bit of a tree. Now go and discover what else it can be. The end. Maybe just a question to ask as you consider this is, when is a leaf not a leaf? Thinking about Jesus and Jesus as a child and being revealed through the baptism of John the Baptist, showing kind of his true identity. When is Jesus more than Jesus is? When did he show himself to be someone more than we initially thought he was. And what are the implications for that as you consider this season of Epiphany? Scripture for the liturgical season of Epiphany, taken from the voice translation of Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. Isaiah the prophet told us what would happen before he came. Watch, I will send my messenger in front of you to prepare your way and make clear... Make it clear and straight. You'll hear him, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the eternal one, a straight way in the wandering desert, a highway for our God. That messenger was John the Baptist, who appeared in the desert near the Jordan River, preaching that people should be ritually cleansed through baptism with water as a sign of both their changed hearts and God's forgiveness of their sins. People from across the countryside of Judea and from the city of Jerusalem came to him and confessed that they were deeply flawed and needed help. 
So he cleansed him with the waters of the Jordan. John dressed as some of the Hebrew prophets had, in clothes made of camel's hair, and with a leather belt around his waist. He made his meals in the desert from locusts and wild honey. He preached a message in the wilderness. John the Baptist, quote, Someone is coming who is a lot more powerful than I am. One whose sandals I'm not worthy to bend down and untie. I've washed you here through baptism with water, but when he gets here, he will wash you in the Spirit of God. It was in those days that Jesus left Nazareth, a village in the region of Galilee, and came down to the Jordan. And John cleansed him through baptism there, in the same way that all the others were ritually cleansed. But as Jesus was coming out of the waters, he looked up and saw the sky split open. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and a voice echoed in the heavens. The voice said, You are my Son, my beloved one, and I am very pleased with you. After that, the Spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness, and there in the desert he stayed for forty days. That's a short excerpt from the amazing Hillsong worship track, Transfiguration, sung by Taya Smith. Go on YouTube and search for the live version of that song, Transfiguration by Hillsong Worship, and you'll find it. And as you're doing that, I'd love you just to pause this podcast right where you are. Go search for that, watch this video, and really ponder epiphany considering these lyrics. Divinity confirmed in the transfigured word, a kingdom once concealed on the earth now revealed. Holy is the Lord revealed before my eyes, and my burning heart can scarcely take it in. All copyright and all rights go to Hillsong Worship. Please go and support their music. It's incredible. A short meditation on Epiphany, entitled The Moon is a Fitting Metaphor, written by Chris Komalski. The moon is a fitting metaphor to describe our lives as followers of God in the way of Jesus. On its own, 
the moon has no internal source of light. It is not a star, but rather a celestial body that reflects the light of the sun at night. In essence, the moon is a giant mirror ball, bouncing the light of the sun towards the earth, providing a pathway in the darkness of the earth's night. Is our mandate as children of God who share his light with each other not to do the very same thing, bathing our world in the cleansing beauty of his light? Hi, love. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for being my sub here. I had another plan for talking to Pierre, but you're my quick sub here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's my one question about Epiphany. Epiphany is one of the weirdest seasons in the church year for me, or maybe hardest to understand, I guess, partially because it's actually a day and a feast and not like a whole season, so it's hard to wrap your mind around. Plus, it's it's always celebrated January the 6th, and so it's kind of, you know, the tail end of Christmas and the new year, and you just sort of the hangover of starting everything new. So um, I thought I'd just look up the definition of epiphany, and here's one of the definitions. Um, kind of culture thinks of epiphany this way. They say that epiphany is a moment of sudden and great revelation or realization, like the light bulb coming on above you. Aha. Aha, yes, the aha moment. And I am just wanted your take on what, what that meant and how that could play into the start of a new year. I mean, it's always with these things as being open to having aha moments. I think that's probably at the new year the significant part because we always try and figure it out ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we get sidetracked with our own like little processes and things we think. Um, and so with Epiphany, I think it's such a great opportunity to, to just be open to learning and allowing an aha moment to take you over and really grasp and, and weigh into that. So if there's something you wanted to, to do this year, cause the new year is all filled with resolutions and new starts and, and things like, moments that transform your thinking so it's I think probably just a, a good time to the things you want to see different to spend time just thinking about them mm -hmm. and allowing and for us as followers of Jesus allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one to transform our hearts and give us an aha realization whether it be about our own self that we need to change sin we need to deal with things we need to transform whether it's just something about himself that he wants to show us and reveal about his goodness or his heart. Hmm. So we're recording this like the third week of January, not January the 2nd or something. I know. <laughs> you, you and I have had like a pretty nuts start to uh, the year. Yes. So uh, I think that's kind of funny given that one of the subjects of this season or day, I guess, is the idea of like a fresh start. And, um, you know, statistics and any stories you read about New Year's resolutions always say that this is the week that um, people give up on their resolutions. <laughs> so it, it's kind of ironic, I think, that you and I are talking about this <laughs> during the week that people give up their stuff. Yeah. Um, and talking about starting stuff later than, like, you mm. know, the first part of the year. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, what do you... I think epiphany is really, it's not, it's not a resolution. It's right. not, it's not just a conscious choice. And I think that's the significant difference is when you're, when we're following Jesus and we're following, you know, the, his ways and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, 
we have epiphany moments all throughout the year. Right. And I think that um, because epiphany, you can't like switch on a, you know, like go, okay, now I want an epiphany moment. Check. You know, it happens as you're going about life and as you're pursuing the things you're trying to transform. So I think it is significant that we shouldn't get stuck on January resolutions and be all over eager, but allow like making conscious decisions are these are the things that I need transformation in and going that, you know, asking God to bring a transformation of our heart and allowing us to have a moment of, of epiphany with whatever that is. And I think it always starts with our hearts. It always starts in our spirit with, you know, transformation really um, has a lot to do with mental decision-making, but it does also start with a conviction of the heart that, that, that there's a reason why it needs to be different. Mm. And if we have that right, then we need to do the work of actually following through. But if we don't understand why and we don't have an epiphany moment, just choosing constantly doesn't keep you motivated to do it, you know? Right, right. And so I guess my encouragement, even for myself, wrapping this up, is the idea that, you know, today's the end of the third week of January. Um, I can have an epiphany moment right now or in the middle of March or, Mm. you know, December 30th. (laughs) That could be significant in terms of shifting. Mm. It's kind of about a heart response to God and to like the willingness to do the work to change, yeah, yeah. to open yourself to change, right? Yeah. And that, I think personally for me, that's the hardest. I can easily like get the moment and go, oh, that's amazing. God loves me. It's beautiful. I can keep going. It's, you know, like everything's perfect. Myself is fine. Um, and then the first thing that happens is I have a disagreement with my husband and all of a sudden all that falls apart, you know? Mm. So having the epiphany moment isn't, is, is, is that, is having the aha moment and then going, now I need to hold on to this aha moment when I'm confronted with the opposite, when I'm confronted with, Mm. with something that wants to tell me that that aha moment isn't true. And that's where the work part comes in because I, it's like you can go either way. You can either just try and do the work or you can just try and hold you know, have epiphanies and never have any transformation. Mm-hmm. So. This month's insight brought to you by my lovely wife, Maxie. Thank you. Pleasure. A discussion for Around the Table. Question number one. Discuss the following quote. Quote, Nativity di- disclosed the birth of a child, but epiphany revealed who that child was. What is the significance of epiphany? within the larger narrative of the kingdom of God unfolding all around us. Question number two. Culture often defines an epiphany this way. Quote, a moment of sudden or great revelation or or realization. That's taken from the Apple Dictionary on my laptop. Share a recent epiphany you've had in your life and what you are learning about yourself. Additionally, share an epiphany you'd like to have this year. Question number three. J.A. Jungman writes, quote, On the epiphany we direct our attention to this child's divine dignity, which already is beginning to manifest itself in the world. Here's the question. How are you noticing Jesus beginning to break into our world, or into your world?
making manifest the kingdom of God all around us. A spiritual practice for epiphany, the discipline or the practice of witness. The desire for witness is to reveal the life-changing love of Jesus to others. A definition for witness. To witness means modeling and telling of the difference Jesus has made in one's life. A place this practice is found in Scripture is in Jesus' one of his last affirmations to his disciples and followers in Acts 1-8, where he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. What does this practice include? It includes living in the presence of Christ in a way that the world finds compelling and desirable. It includes intentionally engaging in life with people of different beliefs or faith practices. It includes serving others at points of need and in times of pain. It includes inviting others to investigate the claims of Christ and the community of faith that he is building. It includes sharing the good news of Jesus and his kingdom breaking into this world at the appropriate time and in an appropriate way. It includes comfortably expressing your journey of faith and following Jesus with words that appropriately connect with others. And it includes, in a personal way, addressing the fears and sin and broken, unhealthy practices that harm my witness in this world. What can God do and what kind of God-given fruit can He build in our lives if we practice regularly a discipline of witness in this world, making manifest the kingdom of God around us? Well, He can build within us uh, the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. He's really able to express God's heart for the world through tangible love as shown in my actions and yours. And lastly, we can see in our lives that we begin to see people around me just come to know Jesus for themselves in a personal way. Adele Calhoun, in the book that I was just referencing, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, which is a wonderful text that you all should pick up, says this about the practice of witness. She says, The very last thing Jesus told his disciples was, You will be my witnesses. That's again in Acts 1.8. A witness is simply, is simply someone who tells what they saw or heard or experienced. A witness tells the story of what happened to them. Anyone who follows Jesus has a story to tell. And no story is boring or uneventful. Every disciple has the very life of God pulsing through his or her body. Every disciple has been set free, released, redeemed, forgiven, made new, and inhabited by the Holy Spirit. All disciples have stories of God's work in their lives that are meant to help set others free. Testifying to this good news requires no strategy or program. It depends on responding to the Spirit's nudge to open your mouth and heart for the sake of others. What I'd, like you for do, what I'd like you to do as you begin to think and reflect on this practice this month is to carve out some, some space to be alone in silence with a journal or simply in reflective thought. And I'd like you to think about the following couple questions. Number one, what is it like for you to interact with people who have different beliefs or faith practices than you? Number two, If you feel your own redemption story is uneventful or uninteresting, how does that affect your ability to share good news with others? What I'd like you to do in terms of spiritual exercise or spiritual practice 
is very, very simple, and yet it's incredibly um, profound and hard in the same breath. And that's this. I'd like you to make a list of people that you are praying will respond to God. Beside each name, list an intentional way that you can be the face of God to them in this next month. I once heard someone say, let me be the answer to my own prayer. And so I think this practice of witness really sort of advocates that. The people that you desire to know Jesus, how can you help show the face of Christ to them this month? That is a practice that we will embrace during the season of Epiphany. When you are done reflecting and have thought and prayed for a while, specifically praying for your friends and family members by name, please feel free to continue forward in this podcast. Take a moment right now and pause this podcast for Epiphany. And I want you to text a friend, a thought, an encouragement, a challenge, or a word that God is currently speaking to you right now as you engage this liturgy and discussion for Epiphany. What are you learning? What can you share? How can you encourage somebody? Literally pause this podcast and connect with a friend in real life right now. Sharing your experience. Post a reflection on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook with a link to this liturgy and how to download this podcast. In your reflection, share something that God is doing in your life and how you think that your community and your friends online can benefit by engaging in this liturgy as well. Use the hashtag Empires of Dirt and Grace, one word, no spaces, to tag your reflection for others to find. Pray thee, Our Father, with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth in my world as it is in heaven. Give us today what we need. Bless us. May we forgive others as you have forgiven us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil, from all temptation, from all brokenness around us. May we be blessing to those around us as your kingdom come and as your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. All glory to you, Father. Amen. And now, a benediction. This is called the Franciscan benediction. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live from deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of God's creation so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless us with just enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in the world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done, bring justice and kindness to all of our children and all of our neighbors who are poor. Amen. Amen. May it be so. Lyrics, links, and words for Empires of Dirt and Grace, a liturgy for Epiphany, are found right in the podcast description that you are listening to right now or at thirdplace.co.za. Search for the liturgical year blog under the read section and you'll see everything there. This amazing track 
is Hillsong United's empires, all rights and copyright to them. Silhouettes and reflections